0: Thank you, Lord, that we can all be here today. So, this morning I want to talk about, take some time to talk about thankfulness, values, and priorities, and how they all fit together. But before I get into that, I want to highlight a few things about James. James was the brother of Jesus, he was a leader in the church in Jerusalem after Jesus' death and resurrection. And he is sometimes referred to as James the Wise. So I don't know if any of you can recall the E.F. Hutton commercials that used to run years ago on television. I wanted to ask because it'll make me feel old if nobody raises their hand. But anyhow, in the commercials, the setting was typically two people having a conversation about life's uncertainties and the importance of sound investments. And at one point, one of the persons would say, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And he says, well, at this point in time, everyone around would get quiet and lean in close to the conversation. Sometimes it was in a restaurant. one time, it was a whole parade stopped and leaned in. And then when that happened, the narrator's voice would come on the TV and say, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. And well, I imagine it was a little this way with James. James... um, was he was often referred to in the book Book of Acts? It would say that that uh, James was there along with the other disciples, and he was usually giving insight, wisdom to something the early church or the apostles were facing. <clears throat> when James speaks, people listen. So James also gives validity to the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that Jesus was God and is God. He starts, he starts his letter with this statement. In James 1.1, he says, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Jesus's brother. He grew up with Jesus. Now, my brother Mike is a great guy. I love him. We have a great relationship. But I can guarantee you, I have never referred to me as his slave or to him as Lord. A brother would not do that unless it was undoubtedly the truth. Jesus is undoubtedly who he says he is. Well, James in the verses that were read today by Nikki is coming at the early church, the early Christians about how they're acting And why they're acting that way, he's pointing out that their priorities are all wrong, and that what they value does not line up with what God values. So, what do you value? Do you value the things? What do the things that you value, and do the things that I value line up with what God values? Four days from now, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving. And often while enjoying a nice meal, we'll go around and say the things that we're thankful for. Family and health typically make the top of the list for most people. Then we may add a promotion at work, a raise, a successful year of business, nice weather, food to eat, etc. Next, we might say we're happy or thankful we got a new house or a new car. We may be thankful that our favorite sports team is uh, on a winning streak or beating our fantasy football league. Or we, we may just be thankful that our car hasn't broken down for a while. The reality is we have so many things to be thankful for. We are thankful for what we value. But are our values the same as God's values? In James, he's telling the Christians of that time that they are completely missing the mark. James 4, 4, 1, he says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but yet you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask God, you don't get it because you ask your because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. When I recently read these passages from James, I was initially drawn to what James says about not getting what we want because we ask with wrong motives. Some other versions say we ask badly. I thought how to pray, but As I read more and thought about it for a while, I realized this isn't about prescribing a way to pray. It is completely about what is in the heart and what's driving us. What we value and where we place our priorities is completely a heart issue. The verses that come before these are setting up the point that James is trying to get across. James says in chapter 3, verse 13, if you are wise and understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And he continues on in verse 17 by saying, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds it shows no favoritism and is always sincere james is pointing our hearts towards the heart of god he is telling us that what is in our hearts and the hearts of others can cause all kinds of hardship if our desires are selfish and driven out of jealousy let's not forget for a second that james wrote this to the church He's writing it to followers of Jesus. People that are supposed to have everything together, right? So... This is a quick way to turn a 20-minute sermon into a 45-minute sermon. So, Are we still? Oh, there we go. All right. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> All right. So what I said last was, so what should we as followers of Christ value? What does God value? Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, There the desires of your heart will be also. So here's a list that is by no means exhaustive of things that God values. God values relationship. God values our relationship first with him and secondly with our relationship we have with others. He designed us to be in relationship because he designed us in his own image. God values love. John says that God loved us so much that he was willing to send his son to pay the price for all that we have ever done wrong. And John also reminds us that the world will know that we are Christians because of our love for one another. Something that was being missed greatly in James, in the, to the Christians at uh, James' times. God also values goodness, justice, forgiveness and generosity the things that God values are the things that bring meaning and fulfillment to our lives and build those up around us so are these the values in our hearts do we desire what God desires for us about two years ago I preached a sermon out of the book of Micah And in that sermon, I asked the question, God, what do you want from me? But today, I want to pose the question, God, what do you want for me? As parents, we all have things that we want from our children. We want obedience, respect, responsibility, and so on. But at the heart of parenting is really what we want for our children that drives us. But let me explain for a second because this is not about everybody getting a trophy. So the things the things that we want from our kids are really about what we want for our kids. We want them to be kind and thoughtful so they have good friendships and healthy relationships. We want them to eat a well balanced diet so they can be healthy. We want them to be we want them to be honest and not steal so they can be contributing members of society and not end up in jail. We want, them, we want them to know and love Jesus as their Lord and Savior so they can have peace, freedom, and eternal life. As long as we don't let our own pride get in the way and we love the way Jesus asked us to love, aren't we at our absolute best parenting our kids towards what God wants for them. Of course, this is easier said than done. I remember times when I've had to refocus my heart and get my own pride in check. The pressures we face as parents starts early. Things like, if your child isn't reading chapter books by the end of preschool, you may want to consider getting a tutor. Or, wow, your child is three years old, and they're not playing three sports yet, well, you might as well kiss that college scholarship goodbye. Okay, well, that's maybe a bit of an exaggeration. But, but the pressures we, we feel as parents to have our kids act or perform in a certain way is very, very real. Many times, I felt this tension between what I was feeling from what the world was saying and what I really thought on the inside about what was best for my kids according to what God was saying. And I didn't always get it right. I needed to check my own pride and pray for help to do what I believed was right for my family. So I have to also admit that I didn't always want or value the same things my parents wanted for me. I'm going to enter into a a small time of confession right now. When I was in high school, I I received a few speeding tickets. And then in college, I had a car accident that was my fault, resulting in a 45-day suspension of my license. So the summer between my junior and senior year of college, I had studied abroad, so I took the the fall semester of my senior year off, except for a couple classes I had signed up for at Penn State Lancaster. Well, this was the same time that the 45-day suspension of my license was scheduled. And all my friends were either married or at college. So for 45 days, at 21 years old, my mom had to drive me everywhere I went. So my mom, who by the way, is one of the nicest persons in all the world, and I had very different perspectives on this whole scenario. I was frustrated and slightly humiliated having my mom drop me off at my college classes and all these other places. My mom, on the other hand, I'm pretty sure loved the time we had to spend together with uh, with her 21-year-old son. See, the things things that we valued were different. I valued my independence. She valued our relationship and time together. I, I will admit that I understand and appreciate her perspective better today than I did back then. <clears throat> but isn't this often how it is with, with between us and God? God values us. He values our relationship, our love, our worship. He always wants what's best for us. But because we have our own desires and because we don't have a God-sized perspective of eternity, We fail to understand or believe that this is true. I'm going to say that again. God always wants what's best for us, but because we have our own desires and because we don't have a God-sized view of eternity, we fail to understand or believe that this is true. God, what do you want for me? Are we willing to place our own desires aside And let God reshape our hearts. Are we willing to take time to build relationships with God and others? Are we willing to push our pride aside and be who God is calling us to be? When we pray, are we willing to ask God what he wants for us rather than what we want for us? Jesus gave us the best example of this when he asked the Father if there was any other way to accomplish his mission here on earth other than torture and death, but then followed, but not my will, but yours be done. Thank you, Lord. What are we willing to set aside to bring hope to a world that really needs hope? James ends this section with a really interesting couple of verses. In chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, he says... Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. James is calling the, he's calling the Christians to grieve. We often as Christians focus on freedom, peace, and joy that comes from being a child of Christ, and rightly so. But here James is saying, replace those things with sadness and tears. Why would he say that? James is not only calling the early Christians to lament the ways that they have acted towards God and their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but he wants them to reflect on where they have fallen short of understanding all that God has for them. Despite his call to lament, though, he does leave them with hope. What does he call them to do? He says, humble yourselves before God. Out of your grief, find the humility to change. Then he gives them a promise. If you are willing to be humble, God will lift you up in honor. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We serve a God of infinite grace. He has so much for us. If we're willing to come humbly before him, asking him, Lord, what do you want for me? In college, I had someone show me that, who showed me this and what this can look like. A classmate of mine, we'll call him Jeff, came up to me, after an assembly where the speaker had encouraged people to make things right in their life. He explained to me that he had been harboring ill will towards me since the freshman year. He explained that it stemmed back to a rec league flag football game where something had happened, my team had won, and somehow his anger about this was placed towards me. The thing about this that was most surprising to me is that although we knew who each other was, we had probably only interacted a handful of time times throughout the three and a half years we had spent together in college. But surprised as I was, I was more than happy to offer him forgiveness. We hugged and that was the end of it. But that interaction has stuck with me. That took courage and conviction for him to take that step.
1: And for him,
0: I'm sure it offered some form of release that allowed him to go on and live a life more filled with what God had for him. Interestingly, he actually did go on to become a pastor. And we had more meaningful interactions after college than we ever did during college. See, what God wanted for Jeff was to live and was freedom to live free of anger and resentment. Jeff was willing to be humble, and God was able to lift him up. I know for myself, pride and selfishness often blindside me when I'm least expecting it. I'm sure my classmate Jeff didn't expect to come out of a flag football game with resentment that would would stick with him for years. At times I find myself in an internal battle, not knowing exactly why. But I have also found that when I take it to God in prayer or when I am humble enough to talk to somebody about it, God shows up in a major way. So how can these words of James change how we enter this Thanksgiving and Christmas season? Are there values or priorities in your life that are not lined up with God? Are there relationships that are struggling because of jealousy or selfishness? Is pride preventing you from taking the first step to make things right with somebody in your life? What are we really thankful for this Thanksgiving season? And what are the desires of our heart going to be for the Christmas season? Are we willing to make things right with God and others? Are we willing to be generous with all that we have? Are we willing to bring hope to someone in our community that needs hope by opening up our lives and making room for them? Let's make it a priority to live in all that God has for us this year. Thank you, Lord.